Welcome to another episode of Awakening the Warriors podcast. I'm super excited about the conversation that you're about to listen to. My special guest for this episode is a childhood friend who is about to tell you details of her story that she'll be speaking for the first time. Details to include surviving, overcoming, and healing through sexual and emotional and physical abuse. Carol, thank you for joining us. I can't wait to deep dive and to hear all that you've overcome, how you've overcome it, and the steps that you've taken to stay and maintain a healthy balance in your intimate and personal relationships and friendships. Thank you for joining us, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Awakening the Warriors podcast. God has blessed me with a husband and, um, and not just a husband, a husband with a lot of tolerance because um, when you have me as a wife, I think you need a lot of tolerance. So I'm happy that I was able to be blessed with such a humble and wonderful husband. And um, I thank God for that. Wow. That, I mean, we could definitely explore a little bit about that, but I think that's great to recognize so much about yourself that, um, and not just the fact that you're able to recognize a lot about yourself, but to own it in terms of knowing your personality, and knowing um, who you are as a woman, but to have been able to match with someone who can appreciate that also. Um, and about that in greater detail, when, you know, after you've gone past the dating phase and you're in the marriage relationship where, um, where you allow yourself to f fully exist and be yourself 100%, when um, the other person in the relationship may not necessarily be embracing of that. So you are are blessed. I've had many conversations with women where we've actually talked about this very thing mm -hmm. <clears throat> when they've, um, where, where they are, where they want to be a hundred percent of their true selves in, inside of mm -hmm. their marriage. And it's a very hard thing for them to, to be. And it sometimes doesn't end well, but a lot of, a lot of growth has to happen. So mm -hmm. a relationship where you are growing and in a space where your spouse is willing to grow with you to fully embrace all of you. It's, it's very refreshing to hear. Mm -hmm. as, a, as a wife, um, I think my husband and I, we came from two very different backgrounds. It's almost like the opposite attracts. And um, so learning to exist and love and be together with each other is quite a challenge because um, I was raised in a home where there was a lot of abuse and he wasn't. So um, a lot of times you find that I have to, um, I have to learn how to trust him and, and how to let him be himself. And, and because I don't like arguments or negativity or um, it's hard for me to trust. So whenever we have, um, arguments or even um, disagreements, disagreement, um, it's like I shut down and I can shut down for a good week or two weeks. You know, I, I just shut down because it takes me back to a, an ugly place that I don't like to visit. Mm -hmm. And um, 
it's hard to get me out of that space once I get there. So a lot of times I have to pray and talk to myself and just, just try to figure out why, why, why. And um, then I'm able to go back and love again, but it's not always easy. Um, I don't like to be lied to. I don't, I don't like, um, there's a lot of things that I don't like that it's almost like I have a, a bridge. I, I, I put up a wall mm-hmm. and, and, and once you, you break that trust, it's really, really hard for me to take it down. So I like when you just don't, don't try to knock it down, just leave it up. Well, that's so interesting that you you said that um, your trauma response is to retreat and to to become silent. Um, that's that's interesting because um, trust is you know it's very important in relationships and uh, for women we rely on any type of coping mechanism when we feel that trust have been has been violated or has been broken. So you you tend to retreat and it takes you a while to rebuild and to regain and to come back up mm-hmm. it takes you yeah. to where where you saw a pattern of trust broken but it came with violence also I find yeah. that so, um one of the things that I love about the awakening the warriors group is that um and then we get to talk about it on the podcast is that we we are also a group where women who are going through <clears throat> excuse me similar experiences in their life where they have not reached a place where they're saying I no longer want to continue to exist in that space of hurt. And I no longer want to exist and to continue to exist uh, relying on these coping mechanisms. And what I, I absolutely love is knowing that, knowing who you are, and, mm-hmm. but not just knowing who you are um, as you're growing through who you are is connecting with other women who, when you share this with them, right? Um, mm-hmm. They too have different coping mechanisms. And you also shared that yours is to build a wall and hide behind it. But mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about what you have seen that um, that has resulted in you responding that way in, in the environment that you grew up that has um, produced that kind of response in you. Well, my, my father used to um, beat up on my mom a lot and not just my mom, but us as kids. So we did not have a lot of um, physical, um, emotional uh, attraction to my dad. He, we just knew he was our provider and, and our defense and that's it. But as a father who love and nature their kids, we didn't have that. So now um, I'm married and um, I, I never wanted to be married, first of all. Mm-hmm. I, based on what I saw, I grew up telling myself, oh, heck no, I'm, I'm never getting married. That's it. I wanted to have kids. I had my kids. And then here comes my husband. And I believe God placed him there for a reason, because if it was anybody else, they would have left already. But um, and it's not that I don't love him, but I think it's because of all the trauma that I've been through it's kind of hard sometimes to just deal with him. I don't like anybody to ask me, where are you going? What are you doing? Um, I just feel like if you trust me, you shouldn't ask me that. And of course that's not true because there's always accountability. 
Uh-huh. But um, I don't like to feel like I'm being um, controlled, if that's the word. I, I, I don't like to feel like I'm being controlled. I like to be my own person. I like to be my own boss. So hence the always um, arguing and disagreements and stuff that we always have to go through. And, and there's always, you know, um, every week we get a divorce. Every week. But we get married at least once a month, you know, yeah. because um, we truly, really love each other. But no, nobody ever said marriage is easy. It's, it's not. It's not. It's two different people coming together to be one, to put up with the snoring, their whatever bad, whatever good. You yeah. just embrace it and, and love each other in spite of whatever that, um, whatever it is. I actually like, um, wow, there's there's a lot to unpack in, in what you said. I mean, a lot. But one of the things I appreciate so much is like you, you you're giving thought to what you're saying. <laughs> And you're not just randomly talking. You are, um, I love how you paused and you own the fact that you don't like to be controlled. And when, I, I appreciate that honesty. Uh, it's a place that all of us long to get to, you know? Um, and recognizing that when you are asked all those questions, it gives you the feeling of someone wanting to control your movements and your your whereabouts yeah, and, right. and it seemed like you're re- relying so much on your the confidence in your ability to honestly exist within the relationships whether you're in your spouse's space or not that you just want your spouse to trust whatever you're going to do yeah the question but he wasn't right. like that <laughs> <laughs> so that's a very interesting and I loved how you um I love that. I mean, I just love every, all the things you're saying, the honesty of it all. That's you. That's you. That's your mechanisms. And that's mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to address the abuse that you've seen um, inside of your home. And, and you, you, your, your, your way of protecting yourself is to shield yourself from revisiting anything that looks remotely like what you've experienced. Right. So just talk a little bit more. And I'm just going to ask, just talk a little bit more about what you have done like inside of your upbringing in your childhood when when things like that when the, the when the, the abuse would happen um how did you uh cope like how did you soothe yourself um during moments of the especially the physical part that you saw with your mom and then how did you and your siblings how did you participate in soothing yourself and your siblings um afterwards well i i remember when i went to st andrews high school um i couldn't function i couldn't think about anything because i didn't know if i was going home to meet a dead mother or live mother so i was in school just 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 sitting on a bench but not really um listening to what was going on or what was being taught because my mind and my heart was with my mom. What is going on with my mom? Is she okay? How is she doing? And was um, this daily or just after like a, a it, was, it was a lot. It was a okay. lot. It was a lot. 
And um, but the one thing I admire and I praise my mom for that she never, ever, ever told us anything bad about our dad. And she always says, love him, love him. He's your father. He's your father. Love him. There are times we used to tell her to run away. Just go, just go away. And she would say, no, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving my kids. So that right there shows just how much she loved her children, loved her children. And, and she would rather put her life at risk instead of leaving us behind and going, even if we wanted her to. And um, I just, I don't remember us as kids talking about it. And um, I, I remember though, there are times I just wanted to die. I, I, because I could not have friends. Um, and it was just, it was horrible. I, I couldn't understand why. And uh, I just wanted to get away. I remember one day I just went and I took a handful of pills and I just swallowed all of them. I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still here. So it didn't work, but um, I'm glad I'm still here. Um, then I got a chance to leave and I took it and I ran. I went to St. Thomas when I was 15 years old, very, very naive, running away from home. And- um, How did that opportunity to leave? Because St. Thomas and Dominica, you know, you have to leave by boat or plane. Well, um, I left by plane. Um, they used to, have, used to go to yeah. church. We used to go to church a lot. So they had, um, conference once a year where um, certain people from the church would apply to Barbados and they would get visas and they would go to that conference. I think it was for a week or so. And my mom had gone several times. So um, <clears throat> that year, I uh, she applied for a visa for me and I went with her and she left me there. And she left me there with someone who was supposed to adopt me and put me in school and live a happy life and just be happily ever after. Yeah, but that did not happen. So um, went through quite a bit over there, quite a bit. Um, Describe quite a bit in St. Thomas. So, but before you, I, I don't want to jump ahead because, um, you know, um, I appreciate you, you you sharing. First of all, leaving Dominica is not an easy process, right? So, um, like you, you know, we grew up very, very much. Very in close. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, so we talk about this all the time and um, the experiences of churches. Not, you know, people mm -hmm. historically, People, especially African-Americans, Black people go to church as a place to exhale because mm -hmm. faith is such an important part. Um, in, in, in the United States, faith is an important part because it was a reprieve for Blacks from slavery. And now, you know, the faith has been um, uh, the reliance of, for existence. In the Caribbean, where we grew up, you know, we didn't experience slavery. The, the history of slavery is a different experience. Yes, definitely. Ancestors. Mm -hmm than how it happened here in the United States. So mm -hmm. it became like a pillar of our life. It was really- Yes, fun. it was a way escape. And it was escape and it was- Bible school, yes. Sunday school, 
Oh, yeah. For me, was I couldn't wait for the church doors to be open. Oh, my goodness. It, mm -hmm. For me, like, going to church also was a way for me to go on the road and get out of the house, right? Because <laughs> yeah. that was just my my spirit and my my freedom and wanting to be free of the, 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 the confines of the house. Yeah. But the reprieve that church presented for you was, one, getting away from at home but um oh my gosh you know we, there's so much to talk about in terms of um your your existence a lot of times people see students at school carol and like you just shared you're expected to be able to focus yes and you're expected to learn because mm -hmm. one of the things about school in dominica was not everybody got to go to high school right so now you're there and the expectation is that you're this really smart girl, like you're expected to, to excel, but you're just, you, your, your mind is not even on school. Right. I remember the very first report that I got was every last one of the teachers wrote, too quiet, too quiet, too quiet, too quiet in class, too quiet in class. And if somebody knows you now, you're not a quiet person, are you? Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you're quiet when you have to be uh, boy oh boy it depends it depends. depends so um so you got this opportunity because it's like we already established it's not that easy to leave the island so you go to saint thomas and you with, with um because it's a, a church based mm -hmm. right Yes. Kind of like a, a missions trip, kind of like yes. the way to describe yes. it, it's kind of like a missions trip. So it, like, it was supposed to be what, two weeks long? Yes. So now, and then you said your mom left you after the two weeks because she was supposed to go back to Dominica, right? She was supposed to go back. Yeah, I didn't want to go back. So well, you didn't um, want to go back. This no, is what no, this, that was my, that was my escape. I was gone. That's your escape. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so it, it came about what during your escape um, opportunity that you were going to stay with a family and they were going to just take up the responsibility to yeah. nurture yeah. you back to a healthy place. Yeah. Get you back in school and, and, and the like. The whole works. Get a new life. A new, so your, your escape came with the luxury and the opportunities for a new life. New life. <laughs> <laughs> um, how was that? What was that like? What was that life like? At first, it was it was good. It was nice. It was I, I wasn't too worried about. Um, you know, like getting beat or, or or yelling or or just the fighting and all of that stuff that was going on around me. I, mm -hmm. I, I but still, I worry about my mom. OK. And. Um, for a while, that was okay because I joined a choir and I was in church. I went to Bible school. I was doing well. I was a really nice Christian young girl. Full of the Bible. That is so funny because, you know, like, yeah, I grew up full of the Bible, right? <laughs> yeah, full of the Bible. Then I started hitting that same Bible. You started because, hating uh, Oh, I hated that Bible. I hated it. I didn't believe in that Bible after a while. I, I didn't believe in it at all. And that, is that because of like um, your experience? This, this well, night? when I went to St. Thomas, um, this person was supposed to take care of me, adopt me and all that good stuff. 
uh, and that person was also uh, the pastor of the church. And um, I remember one day we went, I went there and we were talking and, and just a really simple little naive girl, don't know nothing. Nobody told her anything. And um, we were talking and he said, oh, I'll show you. And um, Your I'm conversation not thinking, about I don't remember what the conversation yeah, was okay. about. It was a really long time ago, but whatever the conversation was about, mm-hmm. um, he said, let me show you. I know it wasn't about what he showed me. That I know. I remember that because I, I did not know anything about that conversation. And um, stuff happened there and stuff kept on happening. And it just made me started hating church, hating um, the Bible, not believing in, 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 in God, not believing in, a, till this day, I have a problem believing in certain people when I hear them preaching and screaming and you're going to hell. Da, da, da. I don't get excited by all of that because where I used to have preachers up on a pulpit, like, oh, they're special. Oh, they're the man of God. Men are, we're all flesh and blood at the end of it. Nobody's perfect. You know, I, I don't look at you like, oh, he's without sin and I'm full of sin because he's preaching because he's this. No, I, I don't do that. Mm-mm. You know, I'm I'm also in that space with you. You know, we talked a little bit about that off 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 um, camera, and we were talking about just the space in which we exist, especially inside of the church. How the Bible ha- has been used to co-opt independence of women and mm-hmm. free thinking, um, and it's just um, women have been told to like know their place, like being put in their place. Mm -hmm. But even as like young girls, (laughs) excuse me, growing up, it's like, there's this grooming that happens Mm -hmm. with young girls. So Mm -hmm. when you become a woman, especially in in our village and Caribbean environment, it's sort of this just fit into the mold of the space that you're supposed to fit in. But when you are, you know, we're, we're, everybody's a unique person, you know, like you were saying, we're flesh and blood, we follow our paths, we're we're not gonna just humbly, well, some of us aren't, I know I didn't, um, fit into some spaces, even though there was, you know, appeared that I was doing it because from my experience was being made to fit into it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you were sharing, <clears throat> it's the very Bible that you came to, to, to not wanna have anything to do with. Right. You wanna go into like details of some of the things that you've had to overcome or some of the things you've experienced that you've worked through um, during that experience, during your time of liberation, escape, and new life? I went through quite a lot, and um, it took me to a dark place. And um, I remember the first time I was seen by that man in a pair of short pants. I, I, it was summer. And, and remember that church where we all used to wear whatever we wanted to go to church? Um, in Alexandria. Oh yes, yeah. Oh yeah. Bethlehem, Bethlehem, right? Yeah. yeah. That that was. <laughs> so that's a totally different experience. But yeah, yeah. Although so, we were some of the people on the cutting edge that made wearing pants 
an okay thing because they also had a, a rule of not wearing pants, but we didn't care, right? No, I didn't know that. <laughs> and even, right, but the thing is, even if they had that rule, you were still- They never looked down on you. Right. They never did. Right. But yeah. in the Caribbean, in, in my village, it was looked down upon. We couldn't show our legs. We couldn't show anybody pants at all. But here I am, and I was liberated, and I wanted to wear my shorts. And that same person saw me in short, and they referred to me as a whore. This is and, the pastor of the- Yeah, the, he referred to me as a whore. He said, you look like a whore. And just because you were wearing shorts. Because I was wearing the shorts. My legs was out. And- um. Okay, so I guess I was the whole. What was the lesson that was something? I mean, I'm not putting it on you to explain that, but apparently there must have there. He was making a point to uh, about a lesson, and that is what I don't know what point he was making, but it was like Christians are not supposed to expose their bodies. Okay. And my legs, my legs were exposed. So, my with my legs being exposed, I'm now a whore. But as the same man like who who abused me. Okay. who's now calling me a whore because I'm wearing shorts and my legs are exposed. And I was going to ask you, like, when, when those words were, when those hurtful words, we have to call them what they are, were spoken to you, was that it leading up to some of the abuse that you experienced? Or was that after you were um, already started? started that, that was after. That was after. Okay. That was after. Mm -hmm. So, so after you arrived, so after your mom left you, I just want to go back a little bit. After your mom left you after the two weeks for this conference, which was kind of be like a missionary, um, her missionary strip that Islanders take to like the, the Virgin Islands, you mm -hmm. were left with this family, but in this family where you were supposed to be nurtured and put on a path to adjusting to a new life, a series of abuse started happening to include verbal because we heard about the, the verbal name calling because you were wearing shorts mm -hmm. and then using the Bible, what, how it started. So the, you were wearing the shorts and uh, you were called a whore for wearing shorts because you were a saved girl, which, which of course- yeah, Christians not supposed to wear short pants. Right, but boys who are saved don't get called a whore for wearing shorts, do they? No, they don't. Exactly. And so <laughs> it just, that's all part of the things that I'm working through, Carol. Very sexist. Mm -hmm. But- um. So, you know, but other things had already, like, um, the and, and mind you, it wasn't like a, sh like what they call a pom pom shot or really short shot. It was just a regular short pants. Just regular shorts, but the issue regular is not the shorts. Short. The mm -hmm. issue is your legs were showing. Yeah. So, but that was just um, ap after, that's the verbal after. abuse. And then we already talk about the biblical abuse, which was used to, to make the verbal, to like stick the verbal abuse. <laughs> But then you had already began to experience sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. Started based on you asking. Initially, the the, the grooming kind of started when you asked just innocent questions. Yeah. Led to let me show you how. Let me show you. Sometimes may not necessarily have anything to do with the conversation, but the showing of whatever could have been an innocent conversation. It, it was nothing to do with an intimate question. Um, question or right. Or, it was just something that I, it just caught me by surprise The let me show you, you know? Because but the let me no show you part. That is what the show you was going to be. But whatever question you asked, which had nothing to do with intimacy or um, how babies are born, it was just used as an opportunity for- I think, I think, I don't even think it was so much a question. I think it was just talking in general, just talking. 
But it is not, has nothing to do with that. It was just the opportunity for someone to groom you to that lead to sexual abuse. Yes. And you endured that for how long? Oh, for about a year. Okay. While you could, excuse me, you endured that while you continue to stay with this family, live with this family, like live with your new family. How about that? Yeah. And what happened? How did you uh, um, how did you get away? Well, the following year, my mom returned. Okay. And I, that's the first thing I said to her. I told her what was what was happening. And like a lot of West Indian women, they don't really know how to deal with it or how to talk to their children about it. So nothing was said to me. I don't remember anything being said to me, but I know I told her about it. So you endured all this abuse after your mom, like how, how, how soon after your mom left the first year? Like how soon after your mom left did it start? Um, well, you know, I'm, I'm in my fifties now. Okay. I'm, I was 15 years old. So. Oh, no, no. Okay. Got it. Got it. And, and things like that, you really try to forget and you try to put them in the past and behind you. So, um, when you're reminded of it or you you're asked to talk about it it's you have to go deep down yeah try to remember what happened or how it happened or when it happened stuff like that so so at, well however soon after she left or later mm -hmm. she left mm -hmm. a series of abuse started and yeah. continued for at least a year until she came back for the yeah, well, once once she came back, wherever she was staying, I went there to stay with her. I was with her now. So, um, and then while you were with her, when she came back, you told her what was happening to you. Yeah. And she, what was her response? Maybe she was in shock because this man was on such a pedestal that no one would have ever thought that this was happening or he could even think about doing stuff like that so she i don't remember her saying anything at all it reminds yeah. me you know and it's so funny because i i you know i have these kinds of conversations sometimes um with other women who uh we get to just put let our guard down for a little bit and i have this conversation you, you you're in this home of a christian family you're going to church with this family and you're as a matter of fact, the man is the pastor, so you're hearing him preach on. Uh, he, he's pre you, when he preach, you feel like you're burning in hell. He he can preach. He can preach. <laughs> so you're hearing this pastor preach on great things from the Bible and um, you you such holy things, and mm -hmm. you need to go back to a home where this abuse is continued, as if there's separation of truth and holiness and adultery and abuse and. All the other things that's happening in his home right mm -hmm. it reminds me of a, a story in the bible um it, and I, I i bring this up uh it's about jacob's daughter who is abused and raped by um uh this this priest this this chief of this regent's son and um after he rapes her he falls in love with her afterwards and she, um, Jacob is made aware of the rape. And when he hears it, he says nothing. 
Um, and then when her, so her brothers were out in the field and they come home and they, they learn about it and they are livid. I mean, they're angry and they come up with this, this plan to avenge their sister's purity, right? Um, innocence, assault. And um, they go over to uh, the regent's town and they say to him, you know, we want to make an agreement with you, but you have to get circumcised. And they got circumcised because, you know, the regent's son now wanted to, wants to marry their sister, Dinah. And um, while they were healing from, while the, the people in this town that Dinah's brother um, asked to become circumcised, while they were healing, they came back and they slaughtered everyone. They killed everyone. They wiped it out because they were avenging what had happened to their sister. And um, although in that culture, when a woman is raped, she, you, you, in the Bible, you hear nothing about her again, ever. Like, her, the, like the reason they were telling her story was from a man's perspective to make a point about a man not necessarily to even highlight the fact that she was abused because women in, in, in the Bible, when they're, when they experience this kind of abuse, they, it's to tell their story and then you never hear anything about them again. Um, and which is usually what happens, at least from my understanding that women are not even worthy of becoming wives anymore because they've been raped. They are no longer virgins. But what, 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 what's significant about this, then this is Jacob. Jacob didn't respond, his sons responded. And I think it's really, really important for parents to give a response. It matters. Parents' response matters. Mm -hmm. It does. You know, we, we, we talked about this pastor who was a traveling pastor who would come to the village and he preyed on girls. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I remember having this similar conversation with my mother about this man's behavior. And I just, my mother, you know, is known as, uh, you're talking about your, your, your father, you know, a no-nonsense kind of woman when it came to protecting her children. And I remember when I was expecting her to like um, rail against this man, she was just like, hey, how are you doing? It's casual. Never, ever bringing up the fact that- No, she did. She did. And the man said, it's not true. Oh, he your mom did it. speak up. I'm so sorry. She did. she did speak to him about it, but he said, it's not true. And I was like, oh, he knows it's true, but he's not going to say it's, it's, it's true. And she said, yeah, I know it's true. That's why I talked to him about it. And even someone else besides you told her that he was a no good. And I told her straight up that he's definitely, he definitely wasn't a no good because it happened to me too. It happened to a lot of us in camp, camp in Calibishi. That man was a monster. He used to just wait for when the lights are off and here he comes with his little flashlight. What a creep. What a horrific person. He's a pastor. He used to be on the radio station condemning yes. him to hell. He had Trip a radio program. That's why, sometimes, that's why sometimes you hear me say, I don't, I don't, I don't really believe in this Christianity and this religious thing and this. I know, I know there's a God and I know I believe in God, but they make it so damn difficult for you to, if somebody say, I don't believe in the Bible, I don't blame them. If somebody say, oh, I don't care, there's no God, okay, <laughs> there is, but I can understand where you're coming from because they make it so hard for you to believe that there really is a God when 
You are every Sunday or all during the week, you're preaching, you're condemning people to hell, you're the savior, you're being used by God, you're healing, you're this and that and that. And in your, in your, in your own little space, you are out there raping little girls, praying on little girls. Yeah. Like, where is God? Why is he not exposing you? Why is he not killing you? Why is he not doing something? And, and for years, I was going through that. Why, 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 why? And I was listening to Oprah. And Oprah said, you have to face your abuser. Mm-hmm. You must. You have to. And I decided, you know what? I need to know why. And I went down there and my friend said, leave it alone. It's been a long time, leave it alone. And I said, no, I need to know why. And um, I went there, I had a meeting with him. So you and went back to St. Thomas at this time yeah. you were living in the I US. A, I wanted to know why. Because mm-hmm. that man was supposed to be the father I never had, the father I wanted, you know? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know why, why? And, of all um, things to do, why did he choose to? Why? why? Why did he choose to abuse Why you? couldn't I just be your daughter? Why couldn't you just love me as a daughter? Why did you have to do this? Right. And my girlfriend said, you're going to feel worse when you come out. And I was like, I have to go, you know? So, because it was just tearing me apart. I, I, I grew up in church. I wanted, I, I believe in God, you know? And I just, I didn't like the way my life was going. And I wanted peace. I wanted to be able to sleep. I wanted, if, if I'm watching TV and somebody come up preaching, I turn it off. I, I just like, I was just hor- this horrible person. And- um, That's how you felt. That's how yeah. you were feeling. Fire. So I, wanted, you- I wanted closure. I wanted yeah. closure. So I went to him and I'm like, well, I just want to know why did you do it? And he said, because you wanted it. His response to you is that you wanted it? Yeah, he said, because you wanted it. And I said, I wanted it. I didn't even know what it was. How could I have wanted it? You were like a father to me. And he said, yeah, but I wasn't your father. And I was like, oh God. (laughs) Wait a second. Not only did he say you wanted it, and after you confronted him to say to him that he was like a father figure to you, he turned around and said, but. He said, not your father. Yes. And let me tell you that it, I, sh- I was like, I should have listened to my friend. I should have listened to my friend. Wow. Wow. And Unbelievable. Then he prayed. He prayed. And he, he prayed said, over you? He prayed. Not over me, but he prayed. And I'm, I'm just standing there in shock, like looking at him. Like, Wait a second. After you, I'm looking at him like, who, are, who the hell are you praying to? Who are you praying to? You know? And Oh, yeah. uh, my God. So that was my closure right there. I left and that was it. That was it. I do have such a struggle with people. You're right. You said something that is so powerful that I, I I don't want to gloss over, but you said it's amazing that churches have these people and pastors, they elevate and put in this position of like man worship, mm-hmm. the church and really what they do. Yeah, they may preach good, but they pray and assault and abuse. And there are people in the church that knows it. They know they do nothing, absolutely nothing. I had a, I, I had the opportunity after a, a few years, a lot of years. I was all grown up now, 
and everything. I, I, I went there and um, he was still a pastor. He was still preaching. And um, even gonna, all um, these years later, he's still the pastor of that church. To this day, he's still the pastor of that oh, church. Even to this day, he's even still to this pastor. day, he's still the pastor of that church. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, they build a bigger church now. <laughs> they build a bigger church. He's still mm -hmm. the pastor. You know, and um, I'm looking at these girls, young girls in there, because now I'm a grown woman. And then they have all you were 15 when now. this was happening, and not yeah. that you were a woman in your 50s. Not only is the church bigger, not only is he still the pastor, but there are still, and not, not only are there people in the church who knows of his of, of this behavior and say nothing, there are now other young girls coming up who who may continue to suffer. I believe so. I believe so. When I went back, I saw this girl and she reminded me of myself because oh, wow. she was so quiet. She was so quiet. And something about her just, I, I, I said, hmm, he's messing with her. And then sure enough, I heard it around that, yeah, she was, she's one of the names that were being called that he's, he's messing with her. But what are the, the names are being called by people who are aware? By, by people in the church. Some people, not all of them, some people okay. in the church. But you ask the question, what are you doing to protect these children? What are you doing? How you can doing? you share? Yes. You know, because I had no mother, no father, no brothers, no sisters, nobody up there. It was just me. Because and, don't, you, and, you, were, you had escaped to this new life, but it was not mm -hmm. that came with a, a different kind of abuse. A different kind of abuse. you left behind. Exactly. exactly. And it's like, who do you trust to tell your story? Who do you trust to tell what's going on with you? Because you don't know who your friends are. You don't know who to trust. You don't know who's going to run back to him and tell him this is what she said. Or who's going to believe you, first of all? Who? So these are questions that you, you ask. And these are questions that you are even still posing today for these girls who may still be in that, in that environment. And the funny thing is, this had brought our conversation back to the very beginning where the reason, one of the issues that you encountered or knowing yourself well about the issue you encounter in your marriage is when you feel like trust is being repeatedly. Mm -hmm. Here we are, this man who not only, <laughs> this is so incredible to me, um, who was supposed to be a father figure or the father, um, in a relationship that you longed for because that's what you were escaping, turned to you and said, not only were you asking for what he did to you as a young, innocent girl in his care, but he also said, I'm not your father. Then right over you. And, and you know, I, I, and I appreciate you sharing that, you know, where's this God? Who's which God is this? That he exactly. You know, I left there and my head was exploding. I had such a headache. I had such a headache. I kept kicking myself like I should have listened. I should have never gone. I should have never gone. But no, I'm glad I went because that helped me to grow. That helped me to move past. That helped me to forgive. That helped me to trust in God again. It helped me to 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 love myself again it helped me to not blame myself you know so um with my kids now i have kids 
as soon as they can understand yes and no, I sit down and I tell them everything, everything. My kids will never learn a thing on the street. They will learn from me. And I will never judge them. They know that I am here. I'm their friend. I'm their mother. I'm their father. Talk to me. Let me tell you, if you go by your uncle and he hugs you, it feels funny. It's wrong. If he touch it, it feels funny. It's wrong. If you go by your father, I'm telling them, your brother, I don't, your sister, I don't care. They will know. They know everything. My sisters, when I, when I had just my son, my sisters used to say, oh, my son is too grown. He know too much. Oh, that's okay. Because you, you don't too much than nothing at all. They will know too much. It's better they know too much. Back home, people don't teach their children about sex, about love, about kissing. They don't. So you're on the road or somewhere, you, a boy just come up to you and kiss you and you, you don't know how, if he brush his teeth, you don't know. It's wrong. I better yet, you don't know if you just became pregnant by a kid. Yeah, you know, <laughs> exactly. Talk to your girls, talk right. to your boys. Let them know. You cannot just approach a woman and touch her. It is wrong. Yeah. Let them yeah. know, talk to them. Where you think they're going to learn this? Why do you think there's so many young people Children having babies, they don't even know how they get pregnant. Right. I remember and the first time we got our period, Francis. The first time we got our period, we were hiding. We thought we were pregnant. We oh, were I have, yeah, that's we a fact. Taking, we were cutting leaves from um, uh, pages from our books. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I'm trying to stop it. Oh, it's not pausing. Is mommy calling me now. Mommy, let me call you back. Mommy. Mom. Put my um put my zoom off. Um, you're still here. Okay. Oh, yeah. I hope she don't call back. Mommy is the type of person that will call and call and call until she get me. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was I saying? You know, um, girls are not being taught. No. I was saying something. Like on the street, yeah. girls who get pregnant and they don't even know how they got pregnant because their parents are teaching them. We need to talk to our kids. We do. Yeah. We do. If I think if we used to talk to our kids, a lot of the abuse that happens mm -hmm. would not happen. Yeah. Okay. And if we trust our kids, when they come to us and say such and such is happening, whether it's a, a brother or uncle or cousin or father or mother, whoever it is, they won't be afraid to come to us and say, look, this is happening. He's doing that. She's doing that. You know, we need to talk to them, build trust in them, let them know. Because they don't know. And when you go to the stores, to the shop, and, and you're paying some of these men, these filthy, dirty men, the first thing they will do, you're giving them the money and they'll grab your hand. What you scratching my hand for? Yeah, yeah, that's just what a- What is that for? Habit that men who are older men tend to do to young girls 12 and under, you know? Yeah. Age. And, and it, it, it indicates, a, so it has a sexual innuendo to it, but these young girls, get exposed to it. And even right at a, such a young age as a young girl, 
growing up in the village, I've had that happen to me many times and it leaves you feeling so violated. Yeah. Like you were saying, there, there's not a safe space like this, you know, Awakening the Warriors podcast or group that you could go to and say, these are the things that I've had happen to me. And, and so that's what I wanted to, the question was, how have you, or how, or, or what, let's start with the, what would you um, say to a mother or a girl that's current? Cause we know currently, um, I, I have a, some statistics that show um, 13 year olds, uh, and it, uh, even the, the the most the youngest stat I have is a, a a twelve year old becoming pregnant by a person that her family was aware of, um, and I'll share that statistic. But young girls are currently not only being given to older men in marriage because it's one of the parents' way of trying to hide shame when the girls come mm -hmm. up that they've been sexually abused. What are some Things and I will put some resource in here for parents to use and 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 ways to talk to their girls, um, like you were saying, you know, to have conversation starters. But what would you say to a mother who may have just heard that from her daughter? And then after you share that, we'll talk about what will you say to a girl who is in an abusive situation like you've been in um, as a teenager. It's never too late to talk to your children. It's, it's the earlier you talk to them, the better, but it's never too late. And so never too late to talk to them huh? about sex. About sex, about, about abuse, themselves. about... About themselves, about... Yeah, yeah let them know, let them know. Um, let them know, let them know. Talk to them, don't let them hear it from their friend. Don't let them try to figure out, oh, why am I bleeding? You know, let them know you're a girl. You're going to have your menstrual, you know, you're going to have it once a month. If you have it, you're going to get pregnant. Don't go, oh, if you go by a boy now, you'll see what will happen. No. Yeah. What, like what, what the C word will happen. happen. What is that, 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 what is that pregnant bits of words? What does that mean? No. So what would you say to a girl like, in a situation where she is, um, being hurt, assaulted, abused, and doesn't know what to do? What are some things and ways that could be addressed and in, in what you would have wanted said to you? Um, I find somebody, find somebody to talk to, find somebody to trust. Don't let, don't let it control you and consume you. Don't let that anger or that, don't let nobody make you feel that it's your fault because it's not. And don't feel like you did something wrong because you didn't, okay? So just, just love yourself, pick up the pieces. Don't feel like, oh, because of this happened to me, I'm, I feel like I'm this, I feel like I'm that. You're, you're special, you're wonderful. And just, just find a good comfort, um, circle, supportive circle around you where you can feel love and, and it might be hard to trust, but find, find somebody to trust. Yeah. Find somebody to trust. I wanted to, it says, um, I wanted to share this. It says, um, and these are, uh, by the, by rain, which is, a um, uh, what, what does rain stands for? Let me tell you real quick. It is, 
Rain is, hmm, I'll, I'll tell you what it stands for, but what they do, um, they collect and track statistics on abuse um, and sexual assault. So um, they, they, they show one in nine, one in nine girls and one in 53 boys under the age of 18 experience sexual abuse and assault at the hands of an adult. 80% of all victims are under 18 years old, under 18 years old are female. So look how, look at one in nine and girls, and 53 boys, that is a statistic that's just too high. It is. No it's matter sad. where you go, whatever space you're existing within, that means if you're in a group of 18 based on disclosure, and we also know that women tend to not disclose um, the abuse, Two of 18 people and possibly more have experienced a kind of abuse, but has definitely experienced sexual abuse. It, you're right, it is important to find safety. And I was gonna say, um, RAIN stands for Rape, Abuse and Incest National Network. I will share that, I will share that, that resource in the comment section so that women can have access to it. But you're right, it's not only important to our girls, it's also important to talk to our boys. And you're right, it's also important to have them be over-informed than lacking information altogether. Mm -hmm. So appreciate the conversation that we've had. And I know that we'll pick up and um, deep dive into other parts, especially for you to, for you to share <clears throat> in the process of healing that you, you've been on, the, the, the different uh, areas of healing that you've explored, but not just that the areas that you've had to come back and revisit. Like, I love how you shared about listening to your friend um, and talk about Oprah and facing your abuser. So we could talk about that a, a little bit, but some of the other things that you've had to face and how that has helped your, where are you in the process of pursuing the passion that this has robbed you of? Um, I know we talked a little bit about identity this morning, but we'll revisit that because it'll give me a chance to share a little bit more about my story. But I, I look forward to having you on again, where we'll talk about the other leg of the journey that you've been on, pursuing your passion in an effort to discover or rediscover your purpose to live an eventful, purposeful life. I so appreciate having you on here and you allowing yourself to be vulnerable and to open up, uh, revisit some wounds, especially the ones that you've already ex experienced healing in the spaces that, um, that you were in that were very um, abusive and miserable. And some of the things that you're still working through because words have power and we have to keep working through the words that's been spoken to us. Thank you so much for sharing. And I know um, while, even before we get on here, your husband is willing to come and talk about the marriage relationship. <laughs> <laughs> So having you guys on here as a team would be really awesome because I love to yeah. open up the conversation when you talked about him. Carol, I would thank love, you would love to be there. Yeah, thank that'll be, you. I am, I, we've always had great conversations and this is just another example of how we end up having a wonderful life, inspiring. I'm inspired. I don't know if I'll be able to sit down for a good two, three, four hours after I hang up, but I appreciate you sharing. Well, I, I hope, much. I hope, you know, that, um, Somebody was helped. Somebody yeah. was inspired to talk about their abuse, and um, yeah, that's 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 what we're about. Um, you never know. You're right. 
Um, I, I hope and pray that the words you've spoken here as raw as they were and as honest and as open and as vulnerable as you allowed yourself to be, that it inspired and moved someone to say, you know what, I'm ready. Yes. I'm ready to face my abuse and or maybe take it even steps further. I'm ready to make that call to speak to a therapist, speak to a counselor. Yeah. Other. Some, you know, some speak somebody. to somebody. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for providing that uh, encouragement. And and um, well, there's one thing I wanted to tell you before we um, we hang up. And it's this quote I'm going to send to you because to me, what you've shared about the journey you've been on in terms of healing epitomizes um, speaking words of affirmation to yourself. And I want to, I have a book and I think I'm just going to get many copies of Audre Lorde's books, but this one is um, the quote that she spoke like, um, oh my goodness, where is it? And it says, nothing I accept about myself can be used against me to diminish me. Yes, yes. That's that, what that's I said. That quote. Quote. I yes, love it. It says, yes. nothing I accept about <laughs> myself can be nothing. used against me to diminish me. So I'll post that. And that is beautiful. That's what you shared in here. So I appreciate you being open. Don't even think about it. Don't Nobody even think can break about me it. And I, uh, mm, I'm unbreakable. Oh, wow. You know, and that's the goal for everyone to get to a place where they have walked that hard journey and get to say, Nothing that I've accepted about myself can be used to diminish my existence. That's right. Carol, this has been great. Bye. Uh, our follow-up conversations. Have a great day. And um to the Awaken the Warriors podcast where you could listen to this uh episode with Carol Telemac Robin in full length and become inspired and be an inspiration to others. Thank you for listening. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.